Hey, welcome to the Capital City Christian Podcast and to our series study through the book of 1 John, a verse-by-verse study through this great letter written by the Apostle John. So grab a Bible, grab a notepad, and let's dive in together. And uh, welcome to our Tuesday afternoon study as we've been walking through the past several weeks through the uh, book of 1 John. And uh, today we are in chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. So make sure you grab your fancy glass, grab a Bible, grab a notepad, and we're going to spend about 20 minutes together today walking through uh, this incredible, incredible letter written by the Apostle John. Hey, Angie, hope you're doing well. Um, this afternoon. Um, You may be wondering, my fancy glass today is filled with my wife's all-time favorite beverage, Dr. Pepper. It's a classic. Yes, there's 23 flavors in that one sip. So, Hopefully you have a drink, hopefully you have your Bible, and we're ready to go. Um, as we uh, allow a couple more people to jump on here, want to go into, of course, our segment of the week that I call Tuesday's Dad Joke of the Week. Tuesday's Dad Joke of the Week. Here it is. This is one of my favorites. Did you know that atheism is a nonprofit organization? Yes, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, nonprofit organization. There's your dad joke of the week. Hopefully you can use that. Um, We are glad, glad, glad that you are uh, here today. We're going to read a couple of verses and I hope be encouraged um, by John as we look at 1 John chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 3 through 6 today. So I want to read it and then we'll walk through these verses and um, hopefully learn some things together. Look at it, 1 John chapter 2 verse 3 says this, by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this, we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought to walk in the same manner as he walked. Three uh, powerful verses from John here that we're going to walk through uh, together over the next few minutes. So let's take it word by word, starting in verse three. So if you have your Bible, uh, verse three starts this way. By this, we know that we have come to know him. Notice the two uses of the word know. Literally, what John is saying here is that we know that we have known him. Like, we know that we know. And there is this sense of assurance of our knowledge of God the Father uh, known through the person of Jesus Christ the Son. Um, The word know here is really used in two senses, both the Hebrew sense and the the Greek sense. Um, The Hebrew sense of the word know is really about a personal relationship. Um, as you can see behind me, I've got these cross-reference verses, and the first one is Jeremiah 1, verse 5, which gives us this insight into knowing God and being known by God in this relational way. Jeremiah 1, 5 says this, Before I formed you in the womb, God says, I knew you. 
And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. That concept of God knowing us and us knowing God is a relational concept in the Hebrew language. And so here, John, he is using the word know in its relational context or its relational sense in the Hebrew language, but also in the Greek sense, because the Greek idea of knowing or knowledge all had to do with facts you know some kind of fact about something or someone. And really what John is doing is he's combining those ideas, saying that the gospel is both personal, it's a personal relationship with the person of Jesus, but it is also a body of truth. That's what the word logos means that we looked at in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That logos, is it is a message, but it is also a person. And so John says here in verse three, we know that we have come to know him, that we know God in this personal way, but we also know the word and the message of God in a factual way. And so he says, we know that we have come to know him. Now, the emphasis of, of I think, this phrase are threefold. And I think these are very important implications as we look at this phrase that we, have, that we know that we have come to know him. Number one is this incredible truth. We can know God. We can know God. That is an amazing reality. Um, at Capital City, in our Sunday gatherings right now, we're going through a series called In the Beginning God, where we're talking about the attributes and the characteristics of God and how we can know God and how God knows us. Now, that concept of knowing God, knowing a deity, is not something that is... Um, normal uh, when it comes to world religions, when it comes to the way that um, history has seen deities and has seen the divine. Um, a great example of this is in uh, the book of Acts, when the apostle Paul in Acts chapter 17 is in uh, the city of Athens. And he's walking through the city of Athens, and the city is uh, has all kinds of gods represented by all these different idols. And he's walking down this street in Athens, and he sees, you know, this god here, and the god of the sun, and the God of the moon and all these different gods. And then he gets to the end and there is an idol there and the inscription is to the unknown God. And the reason why the Greeks in Athens would have this idol to the unknown God, it's because there was never an assurance of where you stood in relationship to the gods. And so you wanted to do everything you could to appease the gods. And, and who knew how many gods there were? And so let's just make sure that we don't forget or we don't miss out on any other gods. So let's just make sure we have this idol to the unknown god. And, and, and the gods were distant. It wasn't like you had this personal relationship. So Apostle Paul's walking down the streets of Athens, sees this, and he uses it as a starting point for a conversation that he has with some Greek philosophers, and he introduces to them Christianity. He introduces to them the idea of Jesus. But look at this verse in Acts chapter 17, verse 23. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to some Greek philosophers, and he's trying to um, take something that is common to them and, and use that as a starting point to talk about Jesus. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, for while I was passing through, passing through the city and examining the objects of your worship, the idols that they had set up to these gods, I also found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. And then Paul says this, therefore, what you worship in ignorance... This I proclaim to you. 
In other words, what Paul is saying is, therefore, what, what you worship, not really knowing, you worship in ignorance, you think that God can't be known, that God, the gods are distant, I'm going to proclaim to you who the unknown God is. And the unknown God is actually the God of the universe, and he's not unknown. He is known through the person of Jesus, and he knows you, and you can know this God and have relationship with this God. So this phrase, when Paul says, or when John says, by this, we know that we have come to know him, is a beautiful truth that reminds us that we can know God and be known by God. The second implication that I think this phrase has is that we can know what God wants for our lives. If we know God, then we can learn about the will of God and we know what God desires in our life. And to know what God's will is in our life is a very, very valuable and important thing. And then the last thing I would say is this. We learn from this verse that we can know that we know. We can know that we know. And if you know that you know something, essentially what that is, is that is this concept of confidence and that is this concept of assurance. First John chapter five, verse 13. We'll get to this verse in a couple of weeks. John writes this, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. You see, as a believer in the person of Jesus, you can have assurance. You do not have to live in fear, wondering, am I okay with God? That's not how Christianity works. That's how every other world religion works, that you never know where you stand when it comes to your relationship with the divine. But Christianity is different. And John teaches here that you can know that you know. You can have assurance and confidence in your relationship with God. And one of the assurances of our relationship with God is actually revealed, and this is what John is about to tell us, is revealed by our actions. And this is a reoccurring theme in 1 John. Look at what it says, verse 3. By this we know that we have come to know him if what? If we keep his commandments. If we keep his commandments, notice how our assurance of our relationship with God is revealed by the actions of our life, how we keep God's commandments. Now, this is what we learn is all throughout the New Testament is that the new covenant, the new covenant that has been inaugurated by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is unconditional as to God's offer Right? It's unconditional the way that God offers this covenant to humanity. But all through the scripture, it is conditional on mankind's response to this new covenant and promise that God has provided. It's unconditional as to God's offer, but it's conditional on man's response and mankind's response in repentant faith and obedience. We see that all through John's writings. We read that in 1 John chapter 2, chapter 3. We'll look at it in chapter 5. We'll look at it in 3 John. We'll look at it. We see it all through the gospel of John, that this concept of our response, it's conditional. That's why John writes here, if we keep his commandments. That word if shows us that this is a conditional sentence. So one of the evidences of true conversion in the life of a believer is obedience 
to the commands of Jesus. Obedience to the light, both to Jesus and to his gospel. We walk in the light. So we looked at the past couple of weeks. What does it mean to walk in the light? Well, to John, walking in the light means keeping the commands of Jesus. And even in the Old Testament, and, and again, this isn't new information. John, John uses ideas from the Old Testament a lot in his writings. But even in the Old Testament, God called his people to obedience, I want you to trust me and I want you to obey what I command because when you obey what I command, it will go well for you. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, great verse. Samuel said this, Samuel says, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? All right, look at that, think, think about that question. Isn't God more delighted in our obedience above and over offering sacrifices. See, in the Old Testament, there was this system of um, sacrifices, ritual sacrifices, when you broke the commands of God. And God says, listen, the sacrifices, yeah, that's great, but I, I am so much more interested and so much more delighted when you obey. Your obedience is more important. And this is, this is at the heart of a person's transformation as they become more and more Christ-like, as they walk in the light more. As a parent, I, I, I am thankful when my children are remorseful and when they are repentant after they have done something wrong. But what's even better is if they don't have to be repentant, right? If they just obey the first time. That's what's best. That's what, as parents, we delight in, and that's what God delights in in his children obedience. And we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. This is why Jesus's last words were so, so important. Do you remember his last words in the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20? Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. It's the mission of the church. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or to obey all that I commanded you. What are you to do when you get people to follow Jesus and get people to be disciples? Well, you baptize them and you teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. And the promises, I am with you even to the very end of the age. Our obedience is so, so important. So let me ask you this question. How are you doing on obeying all that Jesus commanded? How are you doing with that? Maybe, maybe here's another question that is, is necessary to ask. Do you even know all that Jesus commanded? If John says we know, we can have assurance that we know him if we keep his commandments, if Jesus himself says, I want you to teach people to obey all that I have commanded, here's a question. Do you even know all that Jesus commanded? A couple of years ago, I was reading the Great Commission, and that's the question that, that popped in my head. That's what the Lord spoke to me. God said to me, hey, Frank, do you know everything Jesus commanded? And my answer was I don't think I know everything that Jesus commanded. And so I did a little personal project and I went through the entire New Testament and I read the New Testament through the lens of asking this question, what is a direct command from Jesus? And I wrote down every verse that are commands of Jesus. And I began to evaluate how am I doing at obeying everything that Jesus 
command it. And I would encourage you, it's a great, great project. It's if, if you are uh, have some time and you just want to work through the New Testament and read it through the lens of, hey, what does Jesus command? Or at least you could just email me and I'll send you my list and you can begin to reevaluate your life through that lens. Am I doing everything that Jesus commanded? John says, we will know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. All right, let's jump to verse four. John again um, brings to light the false teachers and he speaks to um, some of the people that were causing disruption in the church in this day. Look at verse four. He says, the one who says, and, and again, this is a textual clue that John is kind of speaking toward those who are causing problems in the church, those who are false teachers um, in the church. He says, the one who says, I have come to know him. Okay, these are, again, remember the false teachers, they're claiming that they know God, they're claiming to be in the light, but they were actually not. John uses just this analogy to point out those individuals, but also to encourage believers to make sure that they are following God the way that we ought to. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments. Okay, so there are people who say, I know God. I know God. I have relationship with God. I know things about God, but do not keep his commandments. The false teachers were claiming to know God, but were trying to separate salvation from lifestyle morality is what they were doing. They were trying to separate those two things. They claimed superior knowledge of God, but their lifestyle revealed their true motives. Now, this, this phrase, and does not keep his commandments in verse 4, is a present active participle which speaks of a habitual lifestyle, okay? Habitual actions. And this is true of all of us, no matter, no matter who we are, no matter where we're from, is that our lives reveal our spiritual, our spiritual orientation. Let me say that again. Our lives, our habitual lifestyle, reveals our spiritual orientation, and John says there will be people who claim to know God, but they do not keep God's commands. And then what does John call them? <laughs> they say those people are liars. They lie. They lie and they do not have the truth in them. And that, con that phrase, liar, is this uh, idea of self-willed deception. That deep, deep down, those who claim to know God, but don't keep his commands, they deep down know that they don't know God. They just are deceiving themselves. And again, this theme in John's writings of truth and lies is evident, right? We have this contrast between light and darkness and truth and lies. And what John is doing is he's giving us a clear opportunity to evaluate our own lives to see what side of the coin do we fall on? Are we really obeying all of Jesus's commandments the way that we need to? Is that what our desire is? Is that what we're working toward? Is that what we are allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us in as we overcome darkness and overcome sin in our lives? Or are we claiming just to know God, but actually we really aren't keeping any of his commands? Now, verse 4 and verse 5 um, are basically the same truth expressed two different ways. So verse 4 expresses this truth negatively, but verse 5 expresses the same truth positively. Look what he says in verse 5. But whoever keeps his word, 
Again, this is a habitual lifestyle action. Obedience to the commands of Jesus are a crucial aspect of the covenant that we have with God. And this is central in the teachings and the message of John. It's also very, very similar to the writings of James. If you read uh, the New Testament letter James written by the brother of Jesus, it's very, very similar that our obedience is a crucial aspect of our faith. One cannot say that he knows God, yet reject the living word, the written words of God by living a lifestyle of sin. We are opened up in this letter to the concept of the written and the personal word of God. In 1 John chapter 1, 1, this concept of the word of life. Remember that Greek word logos, and that, that refers to a message, but also a person. It is factual, but it's also relational. And we cannot reject the written word of God and the commands of Jesus if we want to claim that we know God the Father. John says, whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. I don't know about you, but when I read that verse, I think to myself, I want the love of God perfected in my life. I hope you do. And the way that you have the love of God perfected in your life is by keeping the words of God. It's by walking in the light. Now that word perfected in verse five is the Greek word telos, which really means mature or complete or fully equipped, right? If you're preparing to go on a mission, you have to equip yourself. You got to fully equip yourself for the task in, in front of you, the, the mission in front of you. That's what this word um, perfected really means. That, that true maturity in Christ is connected with keeping his word. The more you do what God says, the more mature you will be in your faith. And that comes with time, and it comes with perseverance, and it comes with intentionality that I want to keep the words of God. I want to obey the commands of Jesus. I want to keep walking in the light. I want to keep obeying the words of Jesus. That brings you into spiritual maturity. And not only does it bring you into a place of spiritual maturity, but it brings you to a place where you are more fully equipped to live out your God-given mission and your God-given purpose in this earth, on this earth. And so John says, in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. I want the love of God perfected in my life. So it starts with keeping his word. And then John ends verse five saying this, by this, we know that we are in him. Here again is the emphasis on the believer's ability to have confidence in their relationship with God. You can be confident in your relationship with God. And this concept of our being in God, or there is a word, maybe you've heard a biblical word, abiding in Jesus. And we're going to talk about that word uh, in more detail next week. But that is, again, a reoccurring theme in John's writings. We see it all throughout. And the New Testament, even, this is a major theme in the New Testament, talks about how God the Father abides in us us and Jesus abides in us. John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus says this, all who love me will do what I say. Okay. It's just Jesus's words. John is repeating what Jesus said while he was uh, on this earth. And John was an eyewitness to the message and to the life of Jesus. He's just repeating what he heard Jesus say. 
Jesus said in, in John 14, 23, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them. And we, God, the father and God, the son will come and make our home with each of them. That there's this beautiful, intimate fellowship that we have with Jesus Christ and with God the Father when we obey and follow his words. We, we know that we are with him and he is with us. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, one more verse today. It says this, John ends this section saying, The one who says he abides in him. There's that word abide. And again, like I said, we'll look at that word in more detail next week. Um, the one who says he abides in him or lives in him. And again, hear this language. The one who says, the one who says, and we need to be careful about what we claim. We need to be careful about what we claim. The, uh, the false teachers in this day were claiming that they knew God, but they were deceiving themselves. We do not want to deceive ourselves. But John puts a bow on the section by saying this, the one who says he abides in him ought, powerful word, ought to walk in the same manner as he walked. If you claim to have fellowship, to abide with God the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ, then you ought to. You ought to live like Jesus lived. Now, notice that even in this phrase in verse 6, which emphasizes the assurance that we have as believers, that the one who says, I abide in him, we can have assurance. That is true. We don't have to doubt or be afraid of where we stand with God. But notice that there is still a need or there is this warning that John gives when he says this word ought. We ought to walk as Jesus walked. This is another emphasis on true faith as lifestyle faith. Faith is just not a mental ascent. It is about our lifestyle of faith. Faith is not simply a decision that we make at our conversion when we place our trust and place our faith in Jesus. It is that, but it's not only that. It is about an ongoing personal relationship with Jesus that naturally leads us to a place where daily we are trying to live like Christ. And this is parallel to 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. If we go back, it says, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins. We need to walk in the light. That is not about a one-time act of placing our faith in Jesus at our conversion. That is about a lifestyle that we are now saved in order to be transformed into the image of Jesus. We are saved to serve. We are sent out on mission, just the same way that Jesus was sent out on mission. Jesus came, he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for others as we live in a Christ-like manner. This verse, uh, 1 John 3, 16, is one of my favorites in this whole letter. We read it a couple weeks ago, but I'll read it again today. 1 John 3, 16 says, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, that was the way that Jesus lived, by laying down his life for you and me. But then John says this, and we ought, there's that word ought again, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Notice, <clears throat> a true faith is following in the path set before us by Jesus himself. So be careful on what you claim. 
And John says, be careful what you say, because the one who says he abides in him, you better live the way that Jesus lived. And you better have your mindset on that. I want my mindset on how can I, how can I more every day be more and more like Jesus? How can I be transformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ, the Son? Because that is an affirmation of what we claim about the fellowship that we have with God the Father. So here are two questions for you to consider today. Number one, do you feel assured in your relationship with Jesus? Do you have assurance? Do you have confidence? Do you know that you know? Or do you live your life with this doubt thinking, man, I don't know how God views me. Man, I don't know where I stand with God. Man, I better do, do, do in order to feel better about this relationship that I have with God. If that's the way that you approach your your faith, I want you to know that you can have assurance. You can know that you know where you stand with God. And knowing that you know is heavily based upon how are you following the commands and the words of God. And so that leads me into my second question for you to consider today is this. What do you say about Jesus and your relationship with Jesus, and does what you say match up with how you live? There's a phrase, you gotta walk the talk, and it's true. It is so true, and that's what John is getting at here. He's saying, be careful what you say, because if you say you abide in him, then you ought to live like Jesus lived. If you say you have come to know him, you need to do everything you can to grow daily in keeping his commandments. And when you do, you will feel a sense of assurance. You will know that you know, and you will know it even more. Those are the words of John from 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, 4, 5, and 6. Thanks for being here this afternoon, um, and I hope that you guys have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week, and we'll join back here together next Tuesday as we dive into uh, chapter 2, verse 7. Hope you guys have a great, great afternoon, and we'll see you soon. See you, everybody. We hope this content serves as a catalyst towards spiritual growth in your own life. If you want to support this podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, rate, review, and share it. This helps create more exposure and allows us to include as many people as possible into this community. Thanks for joining us and for being a part of the Capital City Christian Podcast.